0: Hello, this is Justin Coleman, senior pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, church family. Please go with me to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and perhaps even in spite of me. And so let the humble words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. This week we conclude our sermon series, Embraced, Responding to God's Love. Our conversation will be about free grace, this grace that is freely given to us from God through Jesus Christ. I want to begin by looking at Romans chapter 5. Okay, we're going to go once more to the board here as we talk about Romans 5. Now, here in Romans, as Paul writes, this is some of his most dense and intricate theology. You can almost see him really working to, to weave all these concepts together tightly. So consequently, sometimes it's a, a bit of a challenge to, to really see what Paul is, is doing here. Here in Romans 5, Paul sets a scene. The scene almost looks like a, a courtroom. There's all this language of judgment and acquittal. And he sets up this picture where you have Adam and Jesus. Now, Adam is meant to stand in or represent humanity. Jesus, of course, representing what God and the Holy Spirit are doing in Christ Jesus, this righteous life of faith. And so what Paul also includes here, and we're going to be looking at verses 15, 16, and 17 most specifically Paul talks about the action or the actions of these two. He talks about the imputation. This is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, imputed righteousness. Really what this means is what this gives. And then, he talks about the result. Now, when you look at Romans 15, we'll look at 15, 16, and 17 of Romans. So, in verse 15, what you find is that what Adam has given is sin or offense. This is because of what we call the fall. This picture of Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden, um, eating of the, of the fruit, resisting God's uh, commands, sin. So on Adam's side, you have sin, but on Jesus' side, you've got the cross and grace. Now, Paul is not using these exact words here, but this is what he's talking about sin that has come to us through Adam and then this cross and grace that has come through Jesus and then in verse 16 there's this conversation about judgment this in the column of Adam it's a judgment of sin and then in the Jesus column there's this righteousness which comes by faith. So what's imputed, what's given because of Adam is judgment. Then what's given because of Christ is righteousness. And then in verse 17, there's this condemnation. That's the result. The result of sin and judgment will be condemnation, which is death. But in Jesus, because of the cross and grace, because of this righteousness that God offers us through Jesus Christ, we've got justification. We have life and all this is because of the free grace that we are given through Jesus Christ if this was the story if this was the only story it lead to death but because of the actions of God in Jesus Christ now what we have is the possibility of life it's the free, all because of the, the free grace that God gives us. And what Paul goes on to say is it's not like sin can compete with this grace. No, this grace outpaces and overwhelms this sin. So I begin to think, you know, what are stories that represent to myself, and then what are stories that represent to you this kind of abundant, free giving of grace that transforms life. So many times when I've heard a preacher preach on this idea of free grace, they've referenced the book and movie Babette's Feast. And in this book, you find a dean, a Lutheran minister, who lives in this small Danish village and he has two young daughters. And these folks are serious about the Christian faith. They study the word together. They resist all the the frills and extravagance of the world around them. They gather very regularly for worship, for singing, And over time, this dean's two daughters have people who, in various ways, want to court them. One is a young cavalry officer. But then he goes away when he learns that he's not able to have the relationship that he wants. And then the other daughter is an amazing singer. And one day, a, a singer who has been at the peak of his career and is trying to understand what he is to do next, hears this angelic voice. And so he goes in and becomes her teacher. And in a moment when they are singing this beautiful duet and, and feel too close, she decides to end those musical lessons and he goes away. Well. Years pass on, the older Lutheran minister passes away, and now his middle-aged daughters are there in this village with aging parishioners, and their number has grown small. And then one rainy night, there's a knock on the door, and a young woman collapses in. And she has a note that has been written by this French singer that one of the sisters studied with. This young woman's name is Babette, and Babette lives there in the village for more than a decade. And she becomes the cook. Now, they eat boiled fish and gruel. That's the dinner because again, nothing too extravagant, just the fish and the gruel. And so though Babette doesn't quite want to cook this, this is what she does. And then one day she learns that she's won the lottery. There are folks back home who've been entering her numbers into the lottery for these years. Babette had, back in France, been a chef. And she'd lost her husband, lost her family, and that's how she came to this village. And so friends back home had been putting her name into this lottery, and so she won 10,000 francs. And so she tells everyone this, and, and they suspect that she is going to be going back home. But before she goes back home, she wants to cook for this celebration, this would be the celebration of the two sisters' father's 100th, what would have been his 100th birthday. And so Babette begins ordering food and there are shipments coming in, all kinds of exotic ingredients, including a, a turtle that is to be uh, cooked and the people don't know what to think about this. They, they've heard that, you know, the, the French eat weird things like frogs, and, and we're not supposed to have this extravagant food, but Babette wants this to be her parting gift, and so we're going to allow for it. And Babette cooks this amazing feast, and a person comes to it, a general who had been this young cavalry officer, he comes with his, to accompany his aunt who has been there to this feast. And as the feast gets going, um, the people make this of the town make this covenant not to make a fuss over it, not to offer too many compliments, because that's not what you do. Uh, they don't want to let anyone know that this extravagance is something that they accept. But the general thinks, wow, this, this champagne is amazing. And he's complimenting every dish as it, as it comes through. And he says, I've not tasted anything like this since being at the Café Inglace, this famous restaurant in France. And then at a certain point, he's moved to get up and offer a speech. And he says this, Mercy and truth, my friends, have met together. Righteousness and bliss shall kiss one another. And then the general had to pause, for he was in the habit of forming his speeches with care, conscious of his purpose. But here, in the midst of the dean's simple congregation, it was as if the whole figure of the general, his breast covered in decorations, were but a mouthpiece for a message which was meant to be brought forth. This general's message was grace. Over the course of this conversation, there were old wounds that were healed in the midst of this dinner, as people began to loosen up, to talk more, to laugh more, to tell stories, to offer forgiveness. It was a moment of sweet communion. And then after it's over, there are two two scenes. One is a scene of people in the congregation happy and merry like they've not been in years, sharing a love and a grace they've not shown one another in years. And then there's another scene in the kitchen Piled with dishes. It's kind of like when I cook, I spare no dishes. Some people spare no expense. I spare no dishes. They're all piled up and they're messy and Babette's there and she's exhausted and they're the sisters and they say, this really, this was good, uh, but you'll be going home soon. And Babette says, no, I spent it all All 10,000 francs on this meal is how much a good meal would cost at the Café Inglés. So then we see that Babette has given everything so that those who were gathered could have a sweet communion, could be offered grace. It's a picture of Christ who's given it all so that we could experience sweet communion with God, so that we could experience this loving grace. Because we have this God who is deeply in love with us. We must be careful not to accept a form of grace that oppresses rather than liberates there's this old joke about puritanism that says that uh, puritanism is the fear that there just might be someone happy someplace it's so easy for us to adopt a kind of christianity that is judgmental where we judge others and where we judge ourselves as something that ends up being built more on working for our righteousness than God giving us God's grace. This is easy because we're formed in this way. I grew up hearing things like the early bird gets the worm. You got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. There's no such thing as a free lunch. There's this suspicion of anything that was given away for free. This sense that if it's gonna mean anything to you, you've gotta work at it. And in the midst of working at it, you begin to judge how well you're doing and judge how well or how poorly other people are doing. And it's easy to make this loving, grace-filled faith about something else, about something oppressive. Now, all the way through, I could see Jesus. I felt like I had a relationship with Jesus, but there's this barrier between me and Christ. There's this self-imposed prison What the love and grace of God is meant to do is open the gate so that we can come close to God, come close to Christ. This sermon series is about responding to God's grace, responding to God's love that has been poured out on our lives through the work of Jesus Christ. The sermon series is about knowing that God loves you as you are, not as you should be. Oftentimes, as we, as people, love people imperfectly, we say, I'll love you if. We try to mold people into something that we feel that we could love. But God says, I love you as you are and not as you should be. If you ever imagine Jesus talking to you, do you imagine Jesus pointing a finger saying, repent? Or do you imagine Jesus saying, don't you know how much a joy it is to live in your heart? Don't you know how proud I am of you? Don't you know how grateful I was when the other day when you woke up hungover, regretting the previous night's decisions, and you saw that person who was anxious and afraid, and you offered them grace through a smile. Don't you know that the only time I'm disappointed is when you refuse to accept the fact that I have forgiven you? In fact, I can't even Remember your sins. Don't you know that I love you to eternity and nothing will ever stop that. Once you have experienced this embracing love of God, your life will never be the same. My challenge to us is to open ourselves to this love affair that God wants to have with us. This love that God wants to fill our lives with. This grace that God wants to fill our lives with so that we are lit up because of the love that we've been given. Don't you know that anytime we are loved, we're lit up. We light up. Our lives become buoyant. They become joy-filled. We want to know more deeply this person that we love. We want to be known more deeply by them. We're absolutely lit up by love. And so much more so than we can imagine even with another person, God wants to enter into our lives in such a way that our lives would be filled and that we would be lit up by this love that God has for us. My prayer is that you would open yourself, open your life, To this amazing love of God, to this amazing grace of God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for this grace that has been so freely given. It's amazing the ways that you love us. I pray for each and every person in our congregation, each and every person across the world, that everyone would know your grace, that everyone would know your love and that our lives might be renewed by it. Our lives might be transformed by it so that as we go into the world, for those to whom love is a stranger, We pray that they would find in us generous friends. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week, and may the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you. And we hope to see you soon.